Hi everyone, Dr. Elizabeth Bonet here. Dr. Liz, welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Before we jump in, please note that the podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need psychotherapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional. I do hypnosis all over the world, so please feel free to contact me through my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z-hypnosis.com. Hi everyone, Dr. Liz here. So it has been quite the last month. My uh, ninth grader started online school. My 19-year-old, the red-haired slash blue-haired slash pink-haired teen, went up to Tallahassee to start her sophomore year up at uh, Florida State University. And in between there, she also had a birthday. And it's been quite an exciting month. And my goal during this period has actually just been to support the transition for my kids because I know they miss each other when they're apart. But particularly the 14-year-old left at home, I am the youngest of four and I totally remember that feeling. I was alone in the house with my parents when the sister right ahead of me went off to college. I remember being so sad to be alone in the house with my parents. Like it was going to be so boring and there'd be nobody to talk to and um, all kinds of stuff like that. I still had my friends and my best friends, but that's still not the same as having a sibling right there with you. The interview today with Ora Nadrich talks about her relationship with her sister and how her sister inspired her book, She's the author of Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity, as well as the book Says Who. And she has uh, the Says Who Method and the Says Who for Addiction podcast. She is the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking and a certified life coach and mindfulness teacher. And in this interview, we talk about fear-based thoughts and negative thoughts. And we walk through a fear-based thought like, I'm going to get sick with coronavirus or I'm going to get a relative sick. And then how to move out of feeling stuck. So I really love the interview. Now, next week on the podcast, I'm airing one of her meditations from the book. So keep an ear out for that. Be sure to tune in next week. All right, let's jump into the interview. I hope, I'm hoping and wishing for health and happiness for everyone right now, or at least moments of peace and joy. Hi, Aura. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. Yes, and so glad you're here because I did read your book that I, I told people about the intro, in the intro, Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. And I really, truly appreciated it for the times that we're in. This is going to air during the pandemic of 2020. Yeah, it seems to be timely, doesn't it? <laughs> it is. But I mean, I know how long a publishing cycle is. So when did you actually write it and then finish it? Oh boy, um, linear time. It's so hard to <laughs> be on a linear time track right now. I have to tell you, um, especially with COVID, the days just seem to blur into other days and the months 
seem as though you don't know one from the next. But I wrote it a couple of years ago, and I wrote it really right after my sister Esther passed away. So that's already, gosh, uh, four years ago. I'm so, again, linear time is a bit of a blur for me. But, you know, it's approximately a couple of years ago for sure. Okay. So you, know, you can write something and then it sort of has its time where it is much more resonant for people based on what's going on in their life and based on what's going on in the times that we're in. Absolutely. Yes. How did your sister Esther pass? She passed from natural causes, but she was um, afflicted with mental illness for most of her adult life. And she was just an incredible spirit on this planet. She was a very special soul. And so she struggled with mental illness for a very long time. And towards the end of her life, she passed away from natural causes. Okay. Was she the inspiration for the book? She was indeed, yes. She was the complete inspiration for the book, actually. Because, you know, I was in an, I was in an active grieving state when she passed away, and I was profoundly um, sad by her passing. And I wrote the book really while I was in a grief state, which, you know, I look back at that, and I don't even know how I did it. Mm-hmm. But I believe that her spirit is what carried me through it. Wow. That she was the inspiration for writing the book because you know for anyone who's lost a loved one you're you're in such a you're in a bit of an altered state if you will and i was definitely grieving and mourning her passing so you know i really view it as that she she was the gift mm-hmm. that inspired me to write live true beautiful did she herself practice mindfulness concepts you know, I don't think she knew about those concepts per se. Um, I think that she lived her life very much, you know, I would say guided by her inner voices. Do you know? Mm-hmm. She was a very um, spirited woman and she didn't have many filters. So she really allowed herself to just be you know, guided by the effervescence of her spirit, but she wasn't taught those types of uh, modalities, if you will, in the way in which I learned them. Mm-hmm. So I would say, no, she didn't know of mindfulness in the way that I teach it. Mm-hmm. When did you first learn about it? You know, I was on a very deep psychospiritual journey for quite some time. I embarked on the journey you know, pretty much as a result of her mental illness, which really impacted my life. Mm-hmm. And I really questioned the mind, if you will, because I had a sister who seemed fine one day, and there was never the same again the next. Mm-hmm. So it took me on a very deep journey to find, about, find out about the workings of the mind. And on my psychospiritual journey, I studied everything I could find, you know, every kind of psychotherapeutic modality, therapies, analysis. And on my journey, I found mindfulness, which was really not in the mainstream like it is today. I mean, I read a lot of books on Buddhism and Taoism. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was a real seeker of knowledge and the sacred writings, if you will. So I stumbled upon mindfulness and I resonated to it immediately. And having 
been someone who practiced meditation for many, many years, my first type of meditation was transcendental meditation. Mm -hmm. And I did that, you know, very long ago and for quite some time. So the practice of mindfulness, you know, in its formal expression, which would be mindfulness meditation, which I became certified as a mindfulness meditation teacher, really just took me onto a continued journey, if you will, about the practice of mindfulness, both formal and informal. Yes, yes. Transcendental Meditation was the first book I read about meditation. And I want to say it may have been the first like quote unquote psychology book I read. I read it in like middle or high school. My father had it. <laughs> so it wow. is to this day, it brings up good memories. TM, Transcendental yeah, Meditation. Yeah, I felt very lucky that I found it or it found me. I don't yes. know. I believe in divine providence. And I think that, you know, things appear in one's life when either you consciously ask for it, Absolutely. Or you are meant to find it. Do you know I believe in that synchronicity? Yes. And particularly for books, I believe in that. <laughs> you know, they will appear when you need them, right? Yes, exactly. Or you'll read them when you need to. There's some books I've had for years, and then suddenly I pick them up and think, oh, yes, this is exactly what I needed. Yeah. It's wonderful when that happens. Yeah. I want to speak too to the influence of a sibling in your life. I think. Sometimes people underestimate the power of siblings and how they form you and how they form your life path. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I agree. I mean, I think siblings, we come into the world for those of us that come into the world with, with siblings that we share the family unit with, if you will. Absolutely. Do you know, there is something about, you know, there's different theories around that, the the order, you know, the way in which you are in the family order line, if mm -hmm. you will, eldest or the middle child or the youngest, of which I am the youngest of four. And, you know, for me, just with somebody like my sister Esther, who had a profound influence on my life, I mean, her life journey had a profound effect on my life journey, do you know? Yes. And I think about that often, that you know, were it not for her path. I mean, I always looked up to her and she was such an incredible woman in so many ways. But it was when she was, you know, afflicted with mental illness that that just impacted my life so profoundly that it really set me on a whole new trajectory. You know, it really definitely guided me on the path that I ended up on, which takes me to where I am today. I wasn't on that path until that happened to her. Mm-hmm. I'm the youngest of four as well. Yet the oh. impact of the older siblings, like what they do, what they fail to do, you know, like what direction they take or what they choose or something yes. significant like their mental health, um, who they choose to marry, all kinds of yes. stuff impacts you as a younger sibling. That's right. right. I mean, in a way, we have the advantage of seeing them on their journeys and seeing what decisions they make good or bad, if you will, uh, you know, that mm -hmm. we can draw from, do you know, they, they're walking the path before us or their particular path, which can definitely influence the choices yes, that we then absolutely. make. Absolutely. It does. It does. So you were on this journey of meditation, it sounds like pretty young and 
exploring different modalities to explore your own mind and spirit? And then when did it become more of this, I think, formal, I would say formal career. I don't know if you want to call it that. When did it become more of a career path for you? Because I know you have an Institute for Transformational Thinking and teach thought coaching and you have a whole um, life path around that, it sounds like. Yeah. Yes, I do. I think it's like, yes, it's a profession, but I think Mm -hmm. it's also a calling. Do you know? I mean, when you feel called to do something, you feel that there is something that is calling you to follow the path that you've set your set upon. So, you know, for me, it really happened, you know, specifically to when I made decisions, you know, it, many, many years ago. I mean, I've had different paths that I took. I was a actress for 10 years and then I became a screenwriter and I was always a writer. So that was always there. Even as a young girl, I wrote sort of existential Mm -hmm. poetry, if you will. So I was always the writer, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to become an actress and I studied professionally with some of the best acting teachers in the world. And I was an actress for 10 years, but I would say that there was something underneath the surface that was percolating because even when I sold my first screenplay, I knew that I would one day write books about mm-hmm. life, <laughs> you know, the life experience. So I, I kind of had that premonition. I didn't know what it looked like exactly. And it wasn't until, you know, my boys, I have two sons and they were starting to get a little bit older. And I one day sat on a beach and I went into meditation And I really connected to what I felt was my purpose. Do you know, what did I see myself doing in the days ahead? Do you know, and I put together this book that turned out to be this huge binder that was sort of an amalgamation of all the different studies, paths, certifications, trainings, uh, everything that I learned that was on my particular journey that I had learned so much from. And I couldn't believe how big this book was. And I said, you know, I want to take everything that I've learned and I want to teach that to others because my path had so many roads that helped me become a more Mm self-realized human being. And I knew that I wanted to help others do the same. I wanted to help help them, basically. And also because I had gone through a very difficult time in my life because of my sister's illness, I didn't want to see people suffer for as long as I did. And so I, you know, had gone into Jungian analysis and, you know, became a life coach. So what came to me is I... I knew I didn't want to go back to school to get my master's. So I thought, well, how else can I help people that's, you know, a way that's credible and viable. And at that time, thought, uh, excuse me, life coaching was not very popular. There were barely any of them around and it was very hard to find a certification program, but I felt called to be a coach of some kind. So I became a certified life coach. And then while I was coaching people, it was with one client in particular that I just had this amazing epiphany as I was coaching her that turned out to be my says who method, which Mm -hmm. became a book that I wrote, because I started to ask her some very fundamental questions to the fear-based thoughts that she had. And I truly believe that 
I downloaded my book that I ended up writing, which was the says who method. And it was in a coaching session with this person that I was able to help them break through a fear-based thought that they had been carrying around for so long. So I knew that I was on to something. And to be honest with you, I don't know. I feel like one door kept opening and I walked through it and then another door opened and I walked through it. And I was really guided by my belief in what I was doing and that I was meant to reach people with this work. And that's led me to do all the things that I've done since then you know, things like writing a second book, creating the Institute for Transformational Thinking, creating the Thought Coach Certification Training Program, becoming a mindfulness teacher. I think all of those things continued on and one thing led me That's to the next. Beautiful. I, I, as you were talking about it, I could just see you taking the next step and then the next step, and then, you know, like one step after the other. That's exactly what I did, Elizabeth. That's exactly how it happened. I just, you know, I feel like when we trust our, when we trust our intuition and we, we really follow our truth, which has become also the essence of live true, which is living mm-hmm. the authentic self. I think that we follow that. We stay aligned with our true self and we stay aligned with our yes. true purpose. So I agree. And I think fear often does hold people back from that. Like often they'll have an intuitive sense and then they'll stop because of a fear. Yes. And that's why I really felt that it was important to explore thinking, our thinking. And my work is very Mm -hmm. thought-based that everything that I do, the books that I write and the work that I do or the programs that I create really combine mindfulness and the awareness of the thoughts that we hold in our minds. I, to be able to discern between the thoughts that really serve our well-being or support our purpose or support our intention and the thoughts that don't, you know, and fear-based thoughts really are the basis of the, the type of thinking that gets in our way. So that's why I wanted to really explore more deeply uh, negative and fear-based thoughts and how they really can impede or sabotage or get in the way of someone manifesting what they truly want to realize yes, in their life. Absolutely. I loved your concepts of the future chaser, the present experiencer, and a past dweller. And I think that's very related to the fear-based thoughts versus, okay, if we stay in the present here, fear-based is almost always the future right? Like what's going to happen in the future? Yes. It's because we, we anticipate what might or could happen. I mean, that in itself speaks volumes that we can activate a fear state by anticipating something that hasn't even happened yet. There's great logic in this, you know, and I, I feel that my books are very user-friendly, but there's tremendous logic in them. And if somebody really takes that journey with me, they're going to see that this makes sense. Yes, I found it very practical. Like the notes to self I loved and the meditations that were simple and easy to implement at the end of each chapter, I really loved. If we relate it to what's going on now, it's like so much fear is present for people. Absolutely. There is a very heightened state of fear and worry and anxiety right now for all the obvious reasons, because we're dealing with an unprecedented time. 
we're in uncharted territory, the very things that we're experiencing day in and day out, and there's always new things that we're being told. You know, the unknown is not comfortable yes. for anybody. For the most part, a lot of people have problems, you know, really easing into the unknown because that has a feeling of not being in mm -hmm. control. And that's very hard for people. And change, you know, we have been thrown into this major change. Yes. You know, globally, <laughs> it just boggles the mind. So that's why things like mindfulness and these skill sets and these types of you know, modalities and therapies can really help us during this time so that we don't feel we're doing this alone, that we don't have to navigate these choppy waters Absolutely. all by ourselves. Yeah. And I think the, I know in my practice myself, the thought transformation is so important. It is really one of the major tenets that I operate on. It's I feel a very body-centered therapy, like getting in touch with the body, but then also, okay, let's transform the thoughts so that the body feels better and then you feel better. I just sent out a newsletter on the concept of radical acceptance, which I'm sure you're familiar with, right? Yeah, of like radically yeah. accepting this is where we are today. Right. Yes. And, uh, and what you just said, really, I explain that a lot in that, you know, I have a technique in my first book says who call the release and replace technique, which is really basically releasing a negative mm -hmm. or fear-based thought and replacing it with its positive counterpart. So even people that are skeptical, resistant, whatever, you know, they, they don't even believe that that's mm -hmm. going to do anything. When I ask them the question, how does that feel in your body? You know, when you literally say something that's negative and you ask somebody, well, how does that thought, feel in your body, they're going to describe it in a way that isn't yeah. like, oh, it feels great, <laughs> you know, it makes me happier. And then if I say, well, replace that thought with its positive counterpart and tell me how it feels in your body, they immediately tell me how they feel and it feels different. You know, these are very simple exercises. Again, it's logic prevails. You know, people just have to be willing yes. to do it. And I that's think what so. I say. It's the way yeah, and I, to try. I'm not even sure I see it. I think willingness is important, but sometimes the anxiety and the fear level gets so high that it stops them. Like they, they can't figure out the more positive thought. Like I do see that a lot, particularly these days. I understand that. And that's where mindfulness really comes into play. Because first of all, we mustn't negate undermine, marginalize, or push away any thought that we're having, mm -hmm. you know, we have to acknowledge it, meaning that, and I talk about that in my first book says who, you know, own your thoughts, not just the pretty ones, you know, and so I really encourage people to be with what they're thinking and feeling, even if it's uncomfortable, and where you can start to apply mindfulness to that is to have an awareness of the discomfort, so that you can work through it. The reason why people get gripped by the fear is that they're not working with the thoughts that are creating mm -hmm. the emotion. Do you know? I say behind every emotion, there's a thought there that you can locate. Sometimes people are so taken over by the emotion that they they don't even know what's Absolutely. causing it. Absolutely. Right. Know? It takes some work and some guidance to trace the back to the original thought. And there usually is one. Exactly. So fear is natural, especially right now, but you can work with the emotion of fear, if you will, so that you can locate the thoughts that you have, which you can recognize maybe what we talked about 
before is that it could be, oh my God, I feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be okay mm -hmm. with COVID or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to get this or my loved ones or this person, or, you know, and so once you understand that your fear is really being generated by future mm -hmm. thinking, that's again, the future chasing, if you will, then you, you can go, oh, okay, how do I bring myself back to the present moment so that I'm not in the future and my fear is based on something that isn't yes. happening, you know, it could happen, but it hasn't happened. I'm okay. I'm fine yes. right now. Yes. So that's a common one. I hear. So let's walk through this for our audience. Is that okay? Absolutely. So a common yeah. one I hear is there's two, but let's just pick one. One is that I, I'm going to get sick, right? And then the other one is, let's say my mother or dad. So let's say my mom is going to get sick and die, and I'm going to be the reason. So that's one I've heard. So let's walk through this. That's the original thought. I'm going to get my mother sick and she's going to yeah. die because of me. Right. And that those are very real uh, common thoughts of fear that a lot mm -hmm. of people have right now. I mean, we are literally sharing this collective fear, if you will. So if you take something specific to that, you can replace that with, I am doing everything I can to protect myself. And by me protecting myself and doing all the things that are complying or adhering to the guidelines of staying safe, I believe that I'm not putting my mother in danger. Mm -hmm. That's just one way to switch yes. out that I, I tend to use more of a summary term. I think how you put it is good. But I also say I'm taking reasonable precautions. Like, are you taking reasonable precautions? If the answer is no, then yeah, you have yeah. a right to that fear, right? <laughs> but if the answer is yes. Exactly. And that's why, you know, I, I think we're saying the same thing in, in, in just a little bit of a different way. And that if I'm, if, you know, it's like I always say, you know, check with self. If I'm doing mm -hmm. everything I can that I know is keeping me safe and healthy, then I'm not probably going to propose a risk mm -hmm. to someone else. You know, I think those are important things to yes. ask ourselves. Yes. So then when someone has that thought, I'm doing everything I can to protect myself so that I can protect others, then that feels better typically. Yeah, I, I do believe it is. I mean, one of the things that I think is important for us to know is that we really can focus on the things that we do mm -hmm. have control over and not try and step ahead of ourselves and focus on what we don't have control of. But we actually can control some of the immediate things around us, you know, like knowing that we're staying safe, knowing that we're keeping healthy, knowing that we're eating well, knowing that we're wearing our masks, knowing mm -hmm. that we're washing our hands, knowing that we're not putting ourselves in a compromised situation where we run the risk of possibly catching COVID. You know, I think it's like a checklist. And I think that if you can really check all that off, that you know you're doing all the right things, sort of the percentages, if you will, the law of averages, you're really cutting down the possibility of you causing yes, someone else. I agree. Harm. I absolutely agree. To bring it back to mindfulness, I think you said this about 10 minutes ago, but just checking in with, are you okay right now? Is your mother okay right now? Are your children, exactly. you know, running through your loved ones and saying, yes, okay, we're healthy, we're okay, we're safe. Right. And that's why the present moment practice, present moment awareness, which is the practice of 
mindfulness, the practice of being present, you know, you ask yourself those questions that pertain to the present. You know, how am I right now? How is my mother right now? As you said, how are my loved ones? How are we doing? And I think that you can answer that in a present context, if you will, which will keep you present rather than let your mind wander yes. into the what if. Yes, and I want to extend you know? this too because I have, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of downloads and people that listen all over the country. And to extend it, I'm sure somebody may listen and say, actually, no, someone did get sick that I know, or perhaps they're sick. But it comes back to the thought of what can I control right now? Well, I can be present right now. Perhaps I can let this wave of pain just pass. You know, what part of me feels okay? There's usually a part that feels okay. Or try to locate a part that feels okay if you're having a hard time. Yes. Or even acknowledging if someone close to you has died, well, I am in grief. Like we started the conversation, right? Like I, I am in grief. This is grief. It's okay to be right here where I am. Absolutely. I highly encourage that. And I, you know, I, at the beginning of COVID, I have something called Mindfulness Monday, which is a Facebook live show that I do weekly. And in the very beginning, I went through, you know, I used basically the Elizabeth Kuber Ross model with some different, you know, a little bit of mm-hmm. modifications around it about stages the emotional stages, if you will, that we were experiencing with the onset of COVID. So I really went into, it's okay to feel all those emotions, allow yourself to feel them. They're natural. You just want to make sure you don't stay stuck there or that it's, it starts to, you know, create a downward spiral, if you will, you know, to places which aren't going to support you. you Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or when you find yourself in a downward downward spiral, like recognizing that and saying, okay, I need some help here. Like this is what I need to support my well-being and trying to seek out different methods of that. Absolutely. You know, listen, it's very challenging and it's difficult for Mm -hmm. millions of people. You know, nobody's alone, even though someone might feel very alone, you know, or maybe in fact living alone. But I don't think that you know, you're so isolated that maybe you can't reach out to a friend, to a loved one, to a professional, you know, there are even apps on our phones today, meditation apps, you know, there's so many things we can do that can move the energy so that we don't stay stuck there and start to go into, as I said, a downward spiral of fear and anxiety. Yes. I want to read a quote from your book, if that's okay, because I think it's related here. It's from, let's see what chapter this is. It's page 111, which is funny. I didn't realize that until I opened the book. One of my favorite numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. But it says that means thinking of yourself as someone who's in wisdom school. And like Talmudic scholars who have their faces buried in the ancient texts of Jewish law, it's up to you to form your own solid and wise credos to abide by. And know what kind of smart and productive thoughts you can cultivate to help guide you on a righteous path. I just really loved that. And I think it resonates with what we're saying here. Yes, you know, we're very powerful. We really are. You know, even when we're feeling fear, you know, sometimes it seems very hard to access other parts of ourselves that really are pretty extraordinary, do you know? And that we have a lot of inner Mm -hmm. 
wisdom, if you will, that maybe we're not able to access. And that's why I really love the whole notion of transformational thinking, because when you start to expand the thinking mind and you allow for what I call useful thoughts or even intelligent thoughts, then your thoughts can really grow from there. And you start to find yourself accessing some deeper wisdom from within, you know? And if you're somebody who you know, feels that you are also guided externally, you know, or that there is a, a guidance, whatever you want to call that for yourself, be it, you know, a divine presence or God or unity consciousness or whatever that might mean for you, if in fact you subscribe to that, that you also start to couple this sort of knowing, if you will, I call them the sacred truths of the universe. And that when you open yourself up, you're more aligned to receiving the information that you need at that given time. And I think things like fear or any kind of negativity thinking, if you will, gets in the way of that. So you want to be very mindful of not to stay stuck in those denser levels of thinking so that you can keep yourself open to more what I call higher states of consciousness, if you will. Yes, I think that came across very well in your book. And I am going to tell the listeners that you have exercises at the end of each chapter to help you stay open to different paths of living to different um, wisdom about yourself, about others, a compassionate way of being. You might find yourself very surprised by what starts to open up in you. You know, I feel it's like the lotus flower, which emerges from the mud. Do you know, it's hard to look at an exquisite flower Mm -hmm. and think, well, that flower came from muddy water, you know? So I think that when we allow ourselves to open up and also to do something that I like to refer to as free falling, you know, that may sound scary because, you know, free falling can feel like, well, what's beneath me? What's going to catch me? But that's when you really trust the process and that you trust yourself. You really begin to trust yourself Mm -hmm. to guide you to where exactly you need to be. I'd I'd like to see people, I'd like to encourage people to really start to connect to the deeper parts of themselves and start to be, you know, really amazed at some of the wonderful wisdom that comes up for them and the guidance that they can access, especially during a time like this, which is very challenging. We're a lot stronger than maybe we, we think we are. We're a lot more resilient than maybe we have known about ourselves. Agreed. I think our resiliency right now is skyrocketing, right? Like we all thought this would be over. We're doing a pretty incredible job. And I know there are people out there and I want to acknowledge them. They're really having a hard time and they're hurting and they're, they're, they're Mm -hmm. suffering. But what I say to them is you're not alone. Reach out. Please reach out. There, there are those around you that you might not, might not be taking advantage of reaching out to tell people how you're doing and how you're feeling. And if you need some of that support, you know, reach out for it. Yes. I think there's all kinds of free resources right now to get that support as well as paid if that's in the budget. And we're coming to the end of our time. So can you tell people how to reach you? The best place really to reach me as my website, auranadrich.com. You can sign on to the mailing list and that gives you access to my newsletters and it gives you access that if you want to send out a message or you want to look into 
my thought coach certification training program or read my articles or my or, or listen to my meditations it's just chock full of so much i'm on social media most of my social media handles are ornadrich um but i think that's the best place to reach me you know to, to connect or just to find out what i'm doing and see what resonates for you okay wonderful well that will be in the show notes as well so that you can easily locate aura and thank you so much for your time and wisdom and sharing that with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. It was lovely talking to you. truly enjoying today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace.